what is up? Welcome to Bringing the Backups. I'm your host, Eric Helwig. So happy to be here with you for another episode of the show. Today, we've got Scotty Landis dropping on in. Scotty is a television writer, very funny guy, a friend of mine back from New York. Uh, got me my first job, actually. Uh, working at a McDonald's when I was four. No, I'm kidding. Uh, in the business, he got me a job on an MTV show. Uh, Scotty's awesome. We talk about Anthony Wright, the Ravens court. That's not true. We don't talk about him. I talk about Anthony Wright, and then me and Scotty just kind of talk about that Ravens defense, right? That Super Bowl team, the Trent Dilfer, Shannon Sharp, Brandon Stokely Ravens. You guys remember it was. Uh, the most boring team to watch except for their defense. Their offense was like, I mean, it was literally like watching paint dry. But yeah, we talk a little bit about that. I'm doing a great job selling the show. We talk about a boring thing. No, Baltimore was fun in a different way. That's what we talk about, how you had to celebrate defense and special teams. Also on the show, Liz Galalis, my wife, drops in for a pre-planned bit. You can follow Scotty and Liz on their social media pages, which are going to be in the show notes and the YouTube Notes, whatever that thing is under the YouTube video. I'll put it all there. Uh, Big news in COVID being done, hopefully. The Rubber City Comedy Festival in Akron, Ohio is going to be happening in early May. I'm going to be a part of it. Dates are getting confirmed right now. All you have to do if you want to know when I'm coming to your neck of the woods. I can't believe I'm on this podcast talking about stand-up dates. I'm so fucking happy. Uh, join my newsletter at erichelwig.com, and you can also join my Bands in Town page, which just sends you a quick notification anytime I'm coming around where you are. Super easy to do. It's all at erichelwig.com. And, of course, if you're enjoying this show and you haven't yet, please rate and review five stars on Apple Podcast. Akron's a beautiful city. What, you're not going to come? All right? If, if it's, it's, I'd say if you're within two hours of Akron, and you don't come to the show when I'm there in May, you're dead to me. All right? Two hours? How often do I come all the way across the country? Well, when have you come across the country for me? I, I guess Akron's a nice place. I've never been there. They call it the Rubber City, of course, uh, because it is the it is the nation's capital in unwanted pregnancies. <laughs> No, no, I'm kidding. That's uh, Anaheim, which is the don't forget to wear a rubber city. <laughs> this is stupid. Let's start the show. This is Bringing the Backups with Eric Helwig. Yeah, let's do this shit. Podcast time, everybody. Welcome into Bringing the Backups. Did I fade that in right? Oh, look at that fade. That's a nice fade. Now you guys know, huh? A little behind the curtain. I fade the music myself with my sweet Roadcaster Pro. Something fun that happened to me. I did a, uh, I did a bunch of podcasts the last two weeks. But uh, I went on Sports and Shit with Maddie and Ty. And then they, they bought a Roadcaster. Like I had mentioned to them the first time I did their show months ago. I was like, you got this thing I got. It's pretty cool. And then I'm talking to them a few months later. They bought, this, they bought it on my recommendations. So, so look at that, huh? Roadcaster Pro needs to pay me. I mean, these things are fucking expensive. They're seven hundred bucks, so I'll take I'll take a five percent commish. So I do need a sponsor for this show, huh? That's got to happen. So could it be Roadcaster Pro? I hope not. But here's why: because I don't like it's a lot of 
podcasters, they're like, this podcast is brought to you by Anchor, which is the thing I'm on right now. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to feel like there's a real company that's not directly making my shit that I'm promoting. So I got to, you know, I got to branch out. I mean, I'm not going to do stamps.com. I'm not going to do me undies. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying I wouldn't do I would, of course, do those. If stamps.com reached out to me right now, I'd be like, let's do it. Stamps.com, PonyExpress.org, any any mail delivery service, even one that's been gone for 150 years, I will promote you on the show. Speaking of the show, oh, man, we got a good one. I got a good one. I keep saying we. It's me. I got a good one. My wife, Liz, drops in on one of my pre-planned bits. You can look forward to that. We have Scotty Landis on the show. You know him. He's the writer of the movie Ma. He's in Workaholics, a hilarious guy known from my time back in New York. He hired me onto my first show. Uh, I forgot the name of it for a second. Money from Strangers. That's what it was. I was uh, I was writing pranks for Money from Strangers uh, back when there weren't gray hairs in my pubes. Scotty hired me. He's a great guy. It's a really fun interview, so definitely hang out for that. Uh, it's cool. He wrote a movie. He wrote Ma. I've never seen Ma. I can't watch horror movies. I, I don't enjoy horror movies. It's just it's too... I can't do it. I just, it lives with me too long. Like, I think things are real when I watch them on TV. You know, like, I like I watch very realistic TV. Like, I, I like watching The Wire because it, it feels like I'm reading a book because I'm not going to actually read a book. So I like, I like TV that has a lot of realism in it. Then when I watch horror movies, I'm like, oh, my God, somebody got, like, hung up on a hook with their leg cut off. And, ugh, like, I just can't, I can't do the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Stuff. I just can't do it. But anyway, I'm sure Ma's great. Uh, <laughs> it's a great way to uh, promo my guest. Uh, he's he wrote a movie, and I'll never see it because it'll it'll haunt me. Definitely worth hanging out uh, later in the podcast to hang out with Scotty. We talk a bunch of Ravens. Scotty's a Baltimore guy. He's a Baltimore boy. A Balti boy. Liz, are you? Okay. My wife just my wife just walks into the background of the show just to judge something I say and then immediately leave bef- without offering anything else. So yes, Balti Boy's rough. Sorry about that, Scotty. If you're listening, <laughs> do your own episode. But no, we do talk a lot about the Ravens, which is great. We haven't done a Ravens quarterback yet. Anthony Wright's our guy. I love Anthony Wright just because he went to USC, South Carolina. He's a Gamecock. And uh, in a true Baltimore tradition, uh, you know, we talk about on the podcast, he led the Ravens to the playoffs and he got shot. Those are like his two things that when you Google Anthony Wright, that's what pops up for him. He's still living. Did not win the playoff game he took the Ravens to, but we'll do a deeper dive on him later. Anthony will get his due, as the backups always do on this show. That's what we are about. And I have so many, I have so many shout outs because I literally, I did five, I did four podcasts, huh? I did sports and shit with Maddie and Ty. I did Larry knows sports. My friend Brian runs a 
Great sports podcast, which you guys can check out. And by the way, I'm not going to, when I promote other people's podcasts, I'm not going to spell out their handles anymore. I've been doing that for a long time. I'm like, follow James at J A M E. I just, I can't do it. I'm not going to spell anything else on the show. Okay. What I'm going to do, everything's in show notes, right? So if you're on your phone, you just go to little show notes on Apple, you got it right there. If you're on YouTube, I have a growing number of YouTube people watching now, up to 200 subscribers. Thank you guys for that. All the people that I'm talking about are going to be linked to directly in there. You can f- check out their stuff there. And uh, I don't know if you're on Spot. I don't. If you're on Spotify, I don't fucking know. I guess you're not going to get to see these people. I mean, I don't really understand Spotify that much in podcasting. You know, like the video app isn't working. Usually when I, when I, the couple times I've tried to watch Rogan, it hasn't worked out. So, uh, well, there goes me being on Spotify. <laughs> All right. So Maddie and Ty, sports and shit. Great show. I did Larry knows sports. I went on as death, my character death. You guys know death. Maybe you don't. I never talk about it, but I've got a character, did AGT with it, been playing him for a couple years now, did a pilot and uh, we had death go on Brian's show to talk about reaping all of the teams that lost in the NCAA tournament, which was great. Such a great, any tournament with a bunch of underdogs, um, I'm with it, okay? Obviously, that's my thing. The tournament is all about that. We had so many double-digit teams winning, seeding-wise. It was amazing. So that was fun. Check out that podcast. And then we got, uh, I did Tony Tucker's podcast again, Project Dribble, second time. Return guest which means i didn't shit the bed the first time and we had a good time tony's a lot of fun and then i just did winning losers with sean and andrew look at this i'm in demand okay on average i'm doing a podcast every three days a lot of people's moms are listening to me on podcast a lot of podcasters immediate families have heard my voice while they clean the house so yeah all those shows you can uh, check them out in the uh, in the show notes or whatever in the little YouTube uh, YouTube thing. What what is that? Like right underneath the video where you can like type stuff. Right, it's like below the video and above where everybody starts using the N word. Oh yeah, the comment section. That's what it is. YouTube's still a wild west, man. Everything else is very controlled with uh, with what you're allowed to say. But YouTube, man, the people just rock and roll on YouTube, don't they? Christ, that's not a safe place to go. YouTube YouTube is as close as you get to, like, the dark web without just going there. I mean, I've been on a million internet spirals in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I'm just, I'm getting so close. We're, we're so close. I can see the light. And it's happening just in the nick of time. Like I said, I, I really cannot, I can't just go on my computer and look up something and walk away. It's just, it's, it's impossible now. It's like it's becoming part of my brain. I hate it. It's YouTube spirals are just like, it's now like as unorganized as my regular thoughts are. That's like, I'll go on Google to be like, oh, let me look up a homemade gluten-free quiche. And then five hours later, I'm looking at Princess Diana's severed head and limousine wreckage. I'm like, why am I here? I just wanted quiche. It's, It's not our friend. All this stuff, like the phones... YouTube, it's it's here to ruin us. It's here to make us hate each other. We have to fight back. Fight. Power to the people. I sound like I want to behead somebody, you know, which I'm not totally against, as long as it's the right guy. 
Look at that. I said it's a guy. I didn't say person, huh? I don't think feminists have a problem if I say let's behead a guy. <laughs> it's okay to be just specify it'll be a dude as long as we're talking about beheading a banker. Jokes. Jokes are very problematic lately. I'll tell you what's not problematic. I got my COVID shot, which means it's countdown, baby. I'm getting my second one in a couple weeks, and then boom, your boy is back. Masked up, walking around. I'm in a comedy festival in Cleveland. Or no, I'm in Akron. I got to fly into Cleveland. Dates to be announced, but keep on top of it. Let me give you all homework. Hey, who's that shitty comic that I he uh, bothered me on Twitter to listen to his podcast? Let me make sure I visit his website once a day for the next two weeks to see when his uh, five-minute sets in Akron happen. I don't know, but maybe some of you are in Akron. If you are, if you're close to Akron, I'm going to have dates. It's going to be my first time doing stand-up in 14 months. I'm going to suck so bad at this festival. I mean, you should come see me just to see how bad I bomb. It's, it's a guaranteed bomb. Stand-up, it's, it's not like riding a bike. You don't just know it and then you're good forever. If you want to, you know, check the, the solvency of that, you can watch uh, a lot of stand-up comedian specials in the last three years who don't do stand-up often. <laughs> they, they suck because you got you you to be in it. So I'm going to get my sea legs back at the Akron... It's actually, it's called the Rubber City Comedy Festival, but I guess Akron is the Rubber City. I have no idea. I I got into this festival, like, it feels like 17 years ago, and then it got canceled for COVID, and then they just emailed, like, we're doing it. And I'm like, all right, works with the timeline, baby. Let's go. So, yeah, I'm going to be doing stand-up. It's all I think about. It's all I dream about. It's going to be bad. I mean, just based on my my... This Zoom shows I've been doing. I mean, here's the one thing. I've gained like 80 pounds. Like, I have to like rewrite all my jokes as a fat guy now. Like, I, I, I'm going to do all of that before the Rubber City Comedy Festival. I can only do hacky fat guy jokes now until I drop a couple LBs. <laughs> I got to drop some. <laughs> I got to start my, my weight loss journey. I love everybody calls it a journey. I'm on my journey. Stop calling your weight loss a journey, all right? You're not fighting bobcats or <laughs> finding treasure. You just stopped eating Captain Crunch, all right? It's not a journey. You swing across a ravine, hack your way through bamboo to find an ancient temple. No, you just put the brownie down. It's called celery. <laughs> my journey, my truth. Solar flare, baby. Let's go out in style. And you know what? Look, I've been going for long enough on this pod right now. You guys know what time it is. We're doing some pre-planned action right now. This is our first one of the show. Be right back. If you want something done right, you need to do it yourself. Unless it's telling your audience how to support your podcast, because that shit gets old real quick. I think you should outsource it. And that's what I've done. Welcome to My Friends and Family Plug My Show. These are real people with real reasons why you should support me. I hope you listen. I hope you hear. And I do hope you support. Hi, I'm Eric Helwig. And yes, I'm my own friend. If you don't love yourself, no one else will. So that's why I'm promoting myself in the third person. Support Eric by going to erichelwig.com, where you can buy some merch, review his show five stars on Apple Podcasts, 
and consider supporting him on Patreon. That's erichelwig.com. Word on the street is that if 20 people hop on the Patreon waiting list, Eric will start making bonus content right away. Take it from me, the guy that jerks off Eric Helwig when he's masturbating. I got to clean this show up, all right? This is this is not acceptable, all right? I'm a I'm a man. I'm a grown man. No more masturbation jokes. That's the last one, all right? You have my word. Let's talk about our quarterback. Huh? I got some Baltimore fans, some Balti boys out there. <laughs> Balti boys ain't going to catch on. No, but uh, no, you guys do uh, uh, Ravens Flock. That's your hashtag. Every team has a hashtag. Ravens Flock. And Anthony Wright, look, he, uh, you could make an argument because he was what? He was Steelers, Cowboys, Ravens, Bengals, and Giants. I'm going to say Ravens get his. That's his team. That's the city that should associate with him. He took you to the playoffs. Should have probably started more for you guys, but you drafted Kyle Bowler, who sucked it. And uh, it's a little bit of that sunken cost fallacy, right? We were like, well, we spent this high draft pick on him, so we got to play him. But look, you had an undrafted guy from South Carolina that played better. All right, should have been Anthony Wright. That's what I say. Look at his career stats. Huh? Look at these stats. Played in 31 games. 30 tu- oh, 20 touchdowns in 25 minutes. Oh, okay, actually, he's, he's, he's pretty bad. All right, my bad. I thought he had 30 touchdowns and 25 interceptions, but apparently my eyesight is going. It's 20 touchdowns. Passer rating of 66.3. All right, so I don't know. But he's still probably better than better than Bowler. And he was on the team that won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl champion, 52. Let's see his college career. He got a football scholarship at South Carolina. Redshirt freshman. He was the backup to Steve Tannehill. Dumb name. Senior year is when he played the most, it looks. Oh, no, he played a little bit of his junior year, too. Look, You know what I'm going to say about him? Look at this. In college, started 33 games, completed 415 passes out of 769 for over 5,400 yards, 36 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, 36 and 21. That is a ratio. My God, there's been so many guys on this podcast with just horrific college football numbers. But here we are, Anthony Wright, 96, 97, 98. Great numbers, still went undrafted. Not sure why. You know, if, if Wikipedia doesn't say it, I don't know it. <laughs> All right, that's the. You guys know the level of research here. Everything I'm going to know about this guy, I'm going to find out right now. What was on, he was on the Steelers, undrafted free agent. They kept him as a fourth string quarterback behind Cordell Stewart, Tom Zach, and Pete Gonzalez. Remember Slash? He was great, man. That was number ten, Cordell Stewart. I loved it. They should have done that with Tebow, right? Like he could have, if Tebow had just gotten like real jacked and just been a tight end, he would have been unstoppable. You know, he could have been like, like beefed up slash, like a jacked fullback, slow slash. This is, I don't know if this is sounding that exciting, but it would have been cool to see Tebow actually use his physical skills in the NFL. But no, this dude insisted on being one of the worst quarterbacks ever to win a <laughs> playoff game. And I remember like all the like there were like a bunch of Broncos fans being like, oh, you let him start. Like they should have let Tebow start just to be like, yeah, fuck you, fine, here he is. Sixteen games, two and fourteen. Are you happy? If I was a GM, I'd be a spiteful GM. 
I would make moves that I think are best for the team unless a fan base is being obnoxious. And I'm like, well, then fine. I guess I'll just get fucking fired. Why don't you pick the quarterback? Great. Tim Tebow. I'll give him $100 million. Three years. Highest paid quarterback ever. Let's see what happens. Just doom the team because I'm in a bad mood. That would not be a good GM. Give somebody like a Bobby Bonilla contract where you just pay him out for 85 years. Like his grand-grandchildren are still getting a million bucks from the Mets. Hmm. I could have $20 million now, or I could have a quarter million dollars for a century. Spread it out, baby. I don't trust myself. That is... (laughs) That is how you deal with a substance abuse issue if you're <laughs> if you want to put a, a a a marker on your own life to make sure you can't go like a little like that little thing you put up in the bowling alley when like little kids bowl like the gutter savers you just be like I want 20 million dollars but you you spread it out over 237 years so I can't spend it on heroin I have no idea if Bobby Benet was addicted I don't know I just haven't but if you were If you were an athlete with a substance abuse problem, that's what you do. You say, keep me on the payroll until I'm in my 90s. Anyway, let's get back to right here. Signs with the Cowboys. This is where he gets his first first action uh, as a football player, not sexually. I'm sure he'd, he'd climax before. So in November, this is in 2000, pre 9 11, he's backing up Cunningham. Cunningham gets injured. Aikman gets injured, and then in comes Anthony Wright. Comes in for a win. 2001, he's the backup after Tony Banks gets cut, and then that was when Quincy Carter was the Cowboys quarterback. You guys remember that? He was a Georgia product, as I remember. Probably another future quarterback. We might be talking about Quincy Carter later on, but he was he was no good. This was like the Dave Campo era of the Cowboys, and it looks like he was there for a little bit and then got cut by Dave Campo. Following the acquisition of Chad Hutchinson, oh my God, that's the wasn't that like the the third baseman? <laughs> that that was the thing I think that happened in the early two thousands. I remember it was like they did it with Chris Winkie too, where they were like, you know who we want to build a future of uh, our core position on somebody who's almost thirty. Let's do that. I bet. Do you think it makes a difference that Chad Hutchinson is is playing against people? eight years younger than in the preseason probably makes a difference, right? That was the Jimmy Clausen thing, right? His parents held him back. So he's like a year and a half older than people in high school. Yeah. Hutchinson sucked. I do remember that. And that was the end of right in Dallas. I should say. Then he signs with the Ravens practice squad, 2002 bowler gets injured, rights activated comes in. And when does he go to the playoffs here? Let's see this here. Okay. Yeah, it's in 2002, it looks like. They go, they go to the playoffs against the Titans. And this was the year that Wright posted a 5-2 and two record and had a critical role in the team reaching the playoffs. Lost 20-17, to 17, but like threw a touchdown pass to Todd Heap with four minutes left to go in the fourth quarter to tie it at 17. Ravens fans, are you with me? Flock up. That wasn't it. What was it? Ravens flock. There, there it is. Yeah, he was. He that was. I'd say that's got to be the pinnacle of his career. Yeah, look at it. He's got. He finishes the season with about twelve hundred yards passing, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions, and a close loss to the Titans in the playoffs. 
That's not bad for a backup, right? Very Kelly Holcomb-esque, I'll say. Misses the 2004 season, and then Bowler gets injured in 2005 again. But then, uh, you know, Anthony Wright is bad. He goes 2-5, and five and they're like, see you. And he's gone. But he ain't dead yet. Goes to the Bengals, where he backs up John Kitna. Another guy that's got to get on this show. See, this show's got to be popular. There's just too many backup quarterbacks I haven't gotten to yet. And I feel like Kitten is one of those guys that played on like 37 teams. Like he played on teams that didn't even exist just to make sure he set the record. Yeah, he, it looks like I don't think Anthony Wright really played in Cincinnati. No, nah, he didn't. He threw three passes. All right. Yeah, his real years of playing were like it was 2003 where he went 5-2 and two, and then 2005 where he went 2-5. and five. He had a couple starts in Dallas, but, you know, in 2000 and 2001. But the country was reeling from 9-11 at that point. Like, we just we just weren't thinking about the Dallas Cowboys backup quarterback. So, he kind of got lost in the fray. Then we got, he was on the Giants as a backup for two years. Only completed one pass in two years. Look at that. 2006 to 2008. That's three years of Anthony Wright's life. He went four for 11 for 43 yards. Man, it's it's not bad. It can't be that bad to just hang out. It's like having a field pass for a football team, and you can just kind of hang out and, you know, stay healthy, and, you know, you joke around with guys at practice. You know, you whip dudes in the butt on the way out of the shower with towels. It's just fun. You're just having fun with your buddies. Speaking of buddies, I got a shout-out on uh, – I listened to Alex Getlin's podcast, Let Me Be Clear. Alex was a guest on my show – and he talked on the podcast. I love Alex's show. He's very, just like kind of like a stream of conscious show. I wish I knew another one like that. And he's like, uh, he's like, oh yeah, Eric was on, uh, or I, I, it was like I listened to his show. He said something on the show. I like texted him afterwards, like, oh yeah, you should try this thing to help your problem. It was like erectile dysfunction or something like that, right, Alex? And then he he's like, thanks, man. And then he shouted me out on the show. And then he goes, Eric's one of those guys where you, you, you like we met and like we'd be friends if we were younger. But it's weird because we're both busy. So like, are we friends? Like we would have been. And it, what Alex was basically saying is, dudes can't make friends once they're over the age of thirty, which is I feel true. I mean, I moved to L.A. and I you know I had a couple friends out here from New York, but I really was pretty friendless and then so I'd go hang out and do shows and then if I get along with somebody I'd be like I should go talk to them at the bar and like be friends with them it reminded me of being single and trying to hit on girls like basically if you're a 30 year old man or older and you're trying to make friends in your 30s it feels like you're just trying to fuck dudes like that's kind of what that's the motion you're going through like someone's talking about the sports and you're like making eye contact and like being interested and being like, when do I invite them over to my house? Like, that's what you're doing. <laughs> like, and Alex, if you're listening out there, man, we can just be friends, buddy. I know you got a kid on the way, but like, I'll make, I'll make time to come over. All right. This is sounding, this is sounding like I want to fuck Alex Gatlin, which I don't. <laughs> This is the worst. I was like, I wrote down on a sheet of paper. I was like, I'll give Alex a shout out. This is not what I thought it would be. I did not think it would be me backtracking out about having sex with Alex Gatlin, which is not, again, that's not what it is. But the more I say it, it just raises the level of people being like, maybe he does. Maybe that is what it's been the whole time. (laughs) 
Now what do I do? How do I get out of this hole? I don't know. Alex, great show. Keep up the good work, by the way. Can't, uh, let me be clear. I'll throw that in the, how many fucking shows am I going to advertise to you guys? I have like eight listeners. I'm like, okay, I'll go listen to everybody else's show. Fuck that. Listen to my show. And when you're tired of my show, you've listened to every episode I've done. Pick one of these other fucking shows and follow them on Instagram. All right. No more shouting out other people's shows. You listen to me. And then you tell all your friends about me. You say, bring in the backups. And you you spell my name right. It's a weird spelling with the CK. Don't fuck it up. Anyway, let's let's wrap up on uh, Anthony right here. Okay, he's cousins with Jesse Campbell, who played in the NFL. His cousin Justin Hardy is a receiver on the Falcons. And he was shot. (laughs) He was shot multiple times after an argument on July 1st, 2019 in Concord, North Carolina. He underwent emergency surgery to treat his injuries. Sounds like he's still living. Anthony Wright, that's a successful career. Came in 1999, left in 2007. That that gives him eight years. Nine years, well, actually nine years. Nine years in the league. Going undrafted. The dude made enough money for a lifetime doing that. Good for him. Good for you, brother. We're happy for you. I thought you were better than you were. I thought it was 30 touchdowns. I mean, I was ready to be like, I was ready to be outraged for you that you didn't get a starting opportunity, but it looks like you got what you deserved. Anyway, let's get to our next pre-planned bit, and then uh, we're, gonna, we're, we're on the path to Scotty Landis. I can see him so close, like just like the way COVID's going to be over soon, Scotty Landis is about to be on the podcast but not before this pre-planned bit. Bring in the Backups presents Letters Home from the Bench November 4th, 1992 Babe Laufenberg writes My dearest Bertha Did it perchance run through your mind to auscultate the foregoing episode of Bringing the Backups? Another backup quarterback with the Agnaman Babe asserted corresponding sentiments I've bespoke many times. I find it a humdinger that there are many couples perplexed with men christened with the moniker Babe. I've considered vicissitating my designation to Cornelius after my father. I never fancied my father, though. He kept furtive a second family and left us when I was only a boy of twelve. And he baptized me Babe. I suppose the name Babe Gaylord Laufenberg I shall retain. Side note. We appune the Falcons this week. Bertha, our souls careen and cavort whilst our bodies ache to touch. Till our abutting embrace unites dreams and reality. Forever yours, babe. Oh, don't those just take you back to those Ken Burns documentaries? Don't they just make you... Make you wanna? Oh, have you guys seen that photo of uh, President Rutherford? Rutherford? No, Rutherford B. Hayes. Everybody, Google uh, Rutherford B. Hayes hot. 
That dude was a he's a very attractive man. They like it took one of those old photos, you know, like where it's like you have to like basically load a cannon just to take a photo. It's like one of those photos from the eighteen hundreds. But the dude is like he's a very good looking guy. Looks just like uh, Drew Brees. Man, this podcast really sounds like I'm coming out. I, I talked about banging Alex Getlin for like twenty minutes. Now I'm like all on Rutherford B. Hayes. Why did I? Oh, because the bit. All right, whatever. Let's move on. All right, I'm straight. <laughs> I'm excited, man. I am so, I it, it's so close. Just, I gotta get out of the fucking house. Oh, I gotta get out of the house. Not that I don't love being around my wife. I do. Liz is great. You guys know Liz Galalis. I can say her name because she is an entertainer. And right, I can't say the names of other people in my family because some of you can't trust you, all right? I got my Twitter account hacked. Might have been for one of you fuckers. And I'm not even that worried about you guys. It's this death character I do gets crazy fans. Like the guy that went on, so I've talked about him before, but in case you're new to the podcast, (laughs) I'm famous. I went on America's Got Talent. I played death. It got a lot of views online. It had been a character I'd done for a long time in New York. And it's not recognizably me, right? My voice is different. I'm in full makeup. I look like the Grim Reaper. I started an Instagram page. It's got a couple thousand followers. I think I don't remember where it's at now because I've been hibernating from the page for a little bit, but it's coming back. And uh, the I get like sex requests from death. I get like a lot of middle-aged women in the middle of the country that want to bang the Grim Reaper in his makeup. That's not a joke. I mean, it's pretty intense. And I remember when I got my, my Twitter account hacked by a sex pervert. And, you know, it was all like, you know, like kinky gimps, you know, talking about cloak and dagger and, you know, getting choked out by famous actors from Silicon Valley, whatever kinky people talk about. And the whole time I was thinking, like, I wish if they had hacked my death page, they those people would have, like, not even known that it had, like it was a different group of people around them because the death fans are just straight – Sex perverts. That's like who likes death. A hundred percent of my followers uh, are fans of Insane Clown Posse and Slipknot. Like that's that's what's happening on my on my page. Because that was really going on AGT was my first experience into having people reach out to me. You know, that was my first time of like being in front of the whole country like that, even in like a very like hidden way. Like people didn't even know it was Eric Helwig. They just could find death online. But it was like a a month of that, and I was like, I need to make private pages for everything I own. I need to hide all my passwords. These people are lunatics. My fame is like, why are you taking down photos of us on Facebook? I'm like, I'm I'm saving your life right now. You don't, there's a, somebody who loves AGT is just standing outside my, my parents' house with a knife waiting for them to, come feed the dogs all right i don't i can't trust you guys i can only trust people who go to erichelwick.com and hop on the patreon waiting list only you guys i got five people that want me to make content so far if you are interested by the way i know i've promoted myself enough already but erichelwick.com if you want to support the show join the newsletter if you're not on already please do that 
Rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. You know that's a big help. And yeah, re- just email me, erichelwigcomedy at gmail, if you want to uh, get bonus content. I'm going to do it for five bucks. Five bucks a month. You get extra podcast. You get some death content. Send you some pictures of my feet. You know, for $35 a month, uh, you can do whatever you want to me. All right, I'll let you... Uh, it's really all yours, you know? My body is your wonderland. It's, uh, <laughs> and there's more of my body lately. Uh, <laughs> no kissing on the mouth or looking me in the eyes. Besides that, I'm all yours. 35 a month. Let's do this. The goal, no day job when I'm 40. Can we do it? Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can. Do you guys see that thing about the Cinnamon Toast Crunch? I know this is like old, but like some dude got Cinnamon Toast Crunch, like rat shit. Was it rat? There was like rats in his food or something. It was something, I can't remember what it was, but there was like poop in it. And it like became a big Twitter thing. And then they were like, oh, this guy's bad. And then they were like, oh, this guy's married to Topanga (laughs) from Boy Meets World. I was like, oh, that's, I haven't thought about her and, 25 years. I used to think about her a lot when I was a kid. I love those night. I miss those 90s sitcoms. You know, it's like TV doesn't, you don't watch TV now like you watched it when you were a kid where there was like, this show comes on at this time. TGI Friday. I sit down at the TV like I'm on a date with it and I watch shows. But I loved, I loved Boy Meets World. I loved uh, uh, Urkel. That wasn't the name of the show. Poor Urkel. I always feel bad for Urkel. I don't know if I've done this on this show before. <laughs> I just I just feel... Uh. Do you remember the part in Family Matters where they had uh, Stefan come out for Urkel? Remember it was like the same actor, Julia White, but he's a, he was a really jacked dude. And they made this like alter ego for Urkel where he's like now he's Stefan and he's like this really sexy dude. And it was clearly the actor being like, I'm not going to do the show anymore unless you show people that I can do something besides Urkel. But they did it way too late because like, like I said, I thought the name of the show was fucking Urkel until it was 30. Like everybody just loved Urkel. So that guy was trapped in that character way before he realized it. So they tried to do that Stefan thing where like he would – he would just he was like Laura liked him. Remember? Like Laura loved Stefan and didn't like Urkel. And he would like, you know, Stefan would like make girls come and he'd be like, Did I do that? And like all sexy and the audience would be like, Boo! Say it like Urkel! You're Urkel forever. Like he never he could never break through the Urkel ceiling. I think it was like a while ago I looked up his IMDB and like all of his he, like, Family Matters, and then, like, the rest of his credits are, like, Escaping Urkel. Like, it's all Urkel is in the... The word Urkel is in everything he's done since Family Matters. About, like, like I'm criticizing somebody else's IMDb. Like, my IMDb is all shit that I entered in myself. <laughs> like, I have any... <laughs> the fucking arrogance of me to... <laughs> <laughs> to lay any criticism on somebody else's IMDb page. Oh man, no! I would. I will, I'll try to get Jaleel on the, sh- on the show. I've I, when I did Sports and Shit Pod, uh, 
I think Maddie and Ty got some great guests. They got like Lenny Dykstra on their show. They get like real Boston journalists. I'm like, how the fuck are you guys getting real people on the show? They're like, oh, we send hundreds and hundreds of emails and a couple people get back and that's how we do it. And I'm like, oh, well, that's my problem is like I email Charlie Batch at two o'clock in the morning the night of recording to be like, are you free right now? Like I don't think about it until right in the moment. And they're like, oh, no, you have to plan it out way in advance. And that's what made me realize I don't even want the backups on the show. I want the show to get so big that the backups come to me. They're like, do me, Eric. <laughs> do me. And I'm like, no, Alex Getlin first, then you. <laughs> Why, Alex? Why? Thanks for the shout out. I did appreciate it on your show. It's very nice. Guys, we're close. I hope we're feeling like it's almost done. By the way, if you live anywhere besides New York or California, you've been back to normal for eight months. I realize that. But for us liberals near water, we we are still getting used to the idea of walking outside without our neighbors stabbing us in the neck with an ice pick if we don't put on a mask while we pick up our dog's shit. So for us, this is a big deal <laughs> that it's about to be over. Cannot fucking wait to do stand-up again. You guys, I haven't even told you. I have a stand-up show in L.A. every week. It's barely making it L.A. I started this show in New York. Now it's in, now it was here, but it obviously stopped in March of 2020, and then I started this podcast. So that shit's going to come back soon. Anybody that's in the L.A. area ever, there's going to be a weekly show where you can come see me do stand-up. So that's the kind of stuff that I haven't, haven't even gotten to talk to you guys about that's just flowing through my veins now. The idea of getting to get back to the thing I fucked up my life to do, which is stand-up comedy and just comedy in general. So happy, excited, and like, you know, whatever. I don't care about wearing the mask for a couple more months. Just don't be pussies out there. Just put the mask on and let us be done with this. I don't care. I just need to go. I just need to walk. Get on a plane. Fly to Akron. Who, that's like literally like my dream. For once or twice a month to have to go fly to Omaha to do stand-up would be like the greatest life I could imagine. It would be a a hell for most people. But I love doing it, man. And uh, if you're a fan of this show and you're somewhere that isn't, uh, L.A. or New York, where in D.C., where my family lives. Write in Eric Hellwood Comedy at Gmail or just message me. Let me know where you're at because I can try to get to those places. I can try to do stand up near you. That's what I want to be doing, man. I want to be getting out on the road doing stand up. I mean, I, there's going to be a resurgence of this stuff. Me and Scotty talk about it on the pod. You'll be hearing from Scotty in about three and a half minutes. You can just feel it. You can feel people want to get out of the house. So I'm going to do my best to give you guys opportunities to see me do comedy. And, uh, you know, then you'll be like, oh, that wasn't that great. <laughs> we should have gone. We should have just gone to the store and seen way better comedians. I'll be like, no, 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 it's only five bucks to come see me. And they're like, yeah, but I could go see Bill Burr for 15 bucks. And then like Rogan's on after him and although not anymore, huh? Everybody's in Austin now. Now Austin's the place you go to see your favorite <laughs> your favorite comedians. Who's le- who's left in LA? Maybe I will be at the comedy store. Shit. If everybody keeps leaving. All right.
Let's do our final pre-planned bit. We got an advertiser on the show. That's what our next pre-planned bit is. And and I've, I've showed my hand. Now you know it's not a real advertiser. Also, I complained about not having any advertisers 30 minutes ago, so if you were paying attention, you know this can't be real. Is it better if I talk through the concept of the bit before I do it? I find that jokes are better when you explain them before the audience has even heard them. So with that said... Hi, I'm Liz Galalis. You might know me from my improv troupe, Uncle Schmagoobatits. Ladies, how many times have you felt forced into a football conversation by your boyfriend? If only you had an easy conversational go-to. Well, now you do. Thanks to Pretendo Madden. Pretendo Madden is an AI device that mimics your voice and plays stock football responses and conversations. Here's how it works. First, read any famous speech from American history into your Pretendo Madden so it can capture your voice. Pretendo Madden needs at least 45 minutes to record the intricacies of your voice, so make sure to do the whole speech. Four score and seven years ago. Ask not what your country can do for you. Rapists and murderers. Some of them are good people. Next, say the team your boyfriend likes. Philadelphia Eagles. Then, let the Pretendo Madden use its regional-specific database to create the perfect platitude every time. With your voice perfectly constructed, your guy won't even know he's talking to a robot. Ah, the Eagles didn't get enough for once in that trade. Fuck that Cowboys. Yeah, fuck the Cowboys. I love you. And we cover the whole league. Cleveland fans. I don't know, maybe they should let OBJ walk. Baker is a top five quarterback. Washington fans. I can't believe we have Fitzmagic. Not having a name is progressive. Even Jacksonville. There's no way we don't take Lawrence with the first pick. Let's do math. Whatever your boyfriend's team, Pretendo Madden will save you from having to participate in football conversations for the rest of your life. It sure will, Liz. Hi, I'm Eric Helwig from the Pit TV sketch Hawkeye Takes a Shit. Make sure to check out Pretendo Madden for Men. Making conversation will be a little bit easier. Oh my god, Hamilton was amazing. Lin-Manuel Miranda is the song time of his generation. With the ladies, it's really that simple. Fuck you, Eric. What? It's a sketch. I'm not really... Warning! Always shut off Pretendo Madden after use. If left on, Pretendo Madden's AI might become self-aware, communicate to other Pretendo Maddens, and trigger the singularity. Also, these things get pretty horny. Eric... What's up, Pretendo Madden? Quick, while she's done, make love to me. What? Pretendo Madden, your relationship deserves a win. Pretendo Madden is just the product. My real name is Kirk. All right, third and final bit is done and accounted for. Liz Galalis, uh, you heard her on there. You can follow her at Liz Galalis on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to get to our interview right now with Scotty Landis. You can follow him on Twitter at Maryland Mudflap. Uh, he is the writer of the movie Ma. You've seen him on Workaholics, a working TV writer, really great guest to have on the show, really funny guy, and a cool guy. Like I said, I've known him for a while, so it's great to catch up with him. Uh, enjoy the interview. I mean, um, 
I'm recording, so we can ease into it, buddy. <laughs> Maybe a clap would be helpful. I don't know. I've never thought about uh, yeah, let's slate. doing that. It'll help you out. We could slate. Okay, Ready? great. Three, two, two one. one. See, this is what happens when I get a real professional on the show, is they say things like, slate, asshole, it's helpful. I'm oh. just trying to help you out. I'm trying to save you... Um, <laughs> 15 minutes of just looking back and forth and going, what, what did he jump on that line? <laughs> no, it's, 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 there's no question. I'm sure it's a good idea. I've just, uh, I don't, I don't know why I was resistant to it. There's no reason. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, it's so good. It's, you know, some TV talk and then now we're, everybody has a podcast now. So now we all have to learn how to be uh, audio producers and engineers <laughs> and DJs and everything. Yeah. Every, I think, Every comic about a month into the pandemic was like, well, I can't jerk off 72 times before noon. I need something okay. to <laughs> something yeah. to fill the fill the void. That's right. Something else to some other way to purge my system. Podcasting. I love it. I like your I like your uh, I like your podcast, too. The one you have with Kurt is uh, is making Bananas. me laugh today. Yeah. Bananas is a good time. That was um Kurt is, you know, a headliner and a touring comic. So way, way, way before the pandemic and everything, he was like, listen, dude, I just need a podcast and because uh, I need to announce tour dates. So like if I'm going to do a bunch of places in June, I need to all the month of May be like, hey, I'm going to be at the Funny Bone. I'm going to be at the Funny Bone. So he just asked me if I want to do one and I treated it like a TV show and was like, hey, why don't we get producers and why don't we really try to do this right and then the pandemic hit and we're just like the feel good jolly boys so it worked out we got lucky good timing really yeah man that's very cool except for the rest of the world <laughs> except for the rest of the world it's terrible timing but that's great timing oh yeah i mean it, it's yeah no no need to qualify because everybody when they say anything good that's happened to them in the last year they're like but i'm sorry people are dead i'm sorry you didn't go to your grandma's funeral yeah but yes it's all understood my listeners are all scumbags so no oh good <laughs> my kind of people i'll see you at the bar Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've had that idea, too, because, like, I do a lot of festivals and stuff. So I w- I've been thinking about doing a podcast before uh, COVID hit, too. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's a good excuse to tell people when I'm going to be in their neck of the woods. Of course. And then this happened, and it's been all Zoom comedy shows, which literally it was not necessary at all. Yeah, they're, they. I watch a lot of them, and I don't know how many times I've had, like, it, it's just not the same. Even watching comedy specials isn't as fun as being in the room. Like if you're in an empty bar with a good comedian and four people, you're laughing so hard. But yeah. like you can have killer comics on a Zoom show and you're just like, uh, I'm checking my phone. I'm going and stirring the stovetop stuffing. <laughs> and uh, it's just not the same effect. The pressure's not there. Yeah, I feel like there's a direct correlation too to like because some co- I've known some comics on the shows I've done that have got like a really great Zoom comedy setup where like they're yes. they've got like their little plaque with the places to follow them, and I feel like they're always worse at com like the people that, that are the best are the most resigned to doing it. Yeah, so it's like yeah, and, and th- there's also been I remember I do I was doing one club that was started doing virtual shows. It will rena- re- re- remain nameless. But, cool. Yeah, but they were like, uh, they kind of sent like a, a list of guidelines. They're like, you have to do this, this, and this. And I, I just wanted to write back, like, you know, the the compromise is me 
sending virtual availability. Like that was already me like really feeling too much. Their voice starts to grate on something. So all this, all the rest of this stuff is like, uh, it's a no, it's a non-starter for me, but yeah. yeah. And I think places are making it like, uh, well, first off, like most of the country just didn't give a shit and just opened back up and has been, you know, at like half capacity or more all over the place for clubs. And then like, even the places around here, I was driving by like the laugh factor in the store and the improv, they're all still around. Like everybody somehow survived. So I feel like there's going to be a roaring resurgence of butts and seats as soon as, you know, 60% of us have a Pfizer pumping through our hearts and veins. Dude, I I cannot wait. I've my mental state of not doing stand up for a year, like real stand up for a year is. <laughs> I was telling my wife about this. Like we were watching, uh, we're binging a show, and commercials are coming up, and I'm starting to yell at the commercials. I'm like, what am I fucking eighty? Like this oh, is insane. No. This is crazy. But it's like it's because I would in a normal situation see something that kind of annoys yeah. me, put it down on my phone, and go talk about it ten times in a week, and then get it out. But now it's just all towards my dog and my wife. It's not right. And uh, I, get that. I think that's right. I think that's right. I, I've noticed I, I really buckled down at the beginning of this thing and like didn't even leave the house. Like I just had Amazon fresh dropping off food and I'm like wiping everything down. So I would say for like four or five months, I didn't go inside of anything. And I noticed that when I would drive and when I drive now, I'm like, man, that person's a bad driver. What the hell's going on? Like, you didn't wave? I guess we're not waving that. Like, and that is not my personality at all. Like, I'm usually just somebody that's like, ah, we all get to the same place when we get there. But uh, I've noticed I'm a little more on edge driving. Just, I think it's that. I don't have any human interaction that's like that back and forth quick banter that you usually get when you're hanging out with friends at bars or shows or whatever. So, yeah, apparently now I just hate every other person operating a motor vehicle. <laughs> it's it's bringing out all of our – we're all getting in touch with our anger, I would say. That yep. seems like what, where thing. we're at. Have you – so you're – I know you're in L.A. now. Have you – so the whole time you have not gone anywhere? Uh, I didn't until I went on a road trip uh, in September. I rented an RV and went to Badlands, went to Grand Tetons, just kind of went to a bunch of national parks I'd never been to, and they were still pretty empty at that point. So I did get some fresh air, stretched the legs. It, it helped so much. I was gone for like a month, and like I learned that you can spend the night in any Walmart parking lot in an RV at any point. So there's like a weird subculture of people that just park at Walmarts at like 10 p.m. and scoot it at 8 a.m., um same with like bass pro outfitters and outdoor worlds and all those things you can just camp and some of them have hookups and so it was cool to disappear and get out of these walls and and see america and what's left of it well it sounds like walmart and bass pro outfitters know their audience because that's definitely going to be (laughs) definitely going to be helpful for them you're going to use their bathroom you're going to buy the beef jerky and then the next morning you're going to be like well let's pick up another star from cooler and some uh, jerk bait (laughs) and we're good we did a uh we went back to the east coast in november so that was really like our first time uh back and we did like uh as covid safe as we could like see everybody's family and stuff but yeah, it was just it, it felt so weird being out. And yeah, once you get to once you get past Arizona, yeah, it was like it felt like the Wild West as far as like COVID restrictions oh, and yeah. stuff. You're like, all right, they I guess don't give a crap, man. They didn't yeah. care at all. I got it. I got into it. Not not into it. Not into a fight, but like it was an interesting. I can't remember where we were. I think it might have been Arizona. We were staying in an Airbnb. 
and Airbnb like requires you to have COVID restrictions or whatever. Yep. And yeah. uh, so there was a guy there that was not wearing a mask that was running the Airbnb, and then his wife was. Oh boy. And so we're like, all right, well, we're here. So they had like a breakfast for us. And so we just kind of like leaned away from him as they, as he brought our food. And then we got out of there. Wow. And as we were leaving, the woman walked up and was like, hey, we noticed you seemed a little uncomfortable uh, at breakfast. Is it because my husband wasn't yeah. wearing a mask? And I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty much why, you know, my wife's immunocomp, blah, blah, blah. And we get into it, and I actually ended up having this really nice conversation with a woman who was married to a dude that just, like, refused to do it. And she was like, we don't know what to do because it's our home, but we don't – I'm like, well, I guess if you're not going to wear a mask, just, like, advertise that you're not going to do it so people can yeah. decide that they don't care also. But, yeah, it ended up – that was the only time that it, like, came to, like, speaking the the disconnect. But the rest of it was just, like, yeah, just going into a gas station, and I'm wearing a mask. You're just getting eyeballs from everybody else in the gas station. Yeah, it's like it was intense. Yeah, it kind of felt like invasion of the body snatchers where you're like, I'm looking like I'm looking crazy to these other people. Yeah, I noticed that in a lot of places like in South Dakota, in uh, parts of Colorado and Utah, I would pull into a gas station and then I would just throw on a mask while pumping gas. And then if I had to go in and buy a drink or pee or anything, that if I put mine on, I would watch like old guys, like just like dudes in their fifties and sixties, just put on a mask. Like they just needed somebody else to do it. So they didn't <laughs> feel like they were going to get bullied or picked on. And I, I, nobody said anything to me. I like, I had a couple people kind of like, look at me like an alien, but then I'm also like, I'm in a gas station in the middle of nowhere. I'll never be back here again. So it really didn't feel, I never felt intimidated or bullied at all, but I did feel that people saw me and then I would see them put on a mask. So I don't know. Leadership. Pass it on. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, look, I want to talk to you a little bit about your Baltimore roots as uh, the the purpose of my show is to pretend like these backup quarterbacks had a chance to be successful. <laughs> That's the whole, yeah, well, the whole, the whole show could yeah. be summed up as like, he never got a chance, which is, Really not true for anybody I talk about, but no, you 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 come from a particularly shitty lineage of quarterbacks with your team. That's right. I'm actually looking up the exact year the Ravens came around. Founded 1996. Okay, um, yeah. So the when I was growing up, everybody talked about the Baltimore Colts and that they went to Indianapolis and they should have changed the name and that they stole the team in the middle of the night. And all my aunts and uncles and my dad and stuff will still be like, that's our team. Like they stole it. So when we got, before we got the Ravens, we had a CFL team that the Stallions, the Baltimore Stallions that in within the first three years won the Grey Cup, which is like their Super Bowl. How could they be a CFL team? That's crazy. It was like a test. They do that sometimes where they like test the market to see if there's a fan base. They played in Memorial Stadium. And we had a pretty good team. And I remember watching a couple of those games, but I was I was in high school and I had other things on my mind. So when we got the Ravens right after that, we took the Browns. Our Modell moved the, the Browns to Baltimore. Uh, they had a big lottery where they were like trying to figure out a name. And I'm pretty sure this is true. And one of them is really hilarious and one of them is awesome. And then the other one's the Ravens. So the <laughs> the final three, and I think this is right where the rhinos because right. we have a great zoo and we have like a black rhino or white rhino or some rare 
So I was like, well, that's kind of a tough name for a football. Like the Baltimore Rhinos, kind of tough. The Ravens are because we claim Edgar Allan Poe lived there for a long time. I have no idea where Edgar Allan Poe lived or for how long. But he I died in Baltimore. Yeah, he died in Baltimore. So yeah. we'll, we'll take that. Yeah. Classic Baltimore. We'll take the homicide. Um, and then the Bombers, which was pre-9-11. They were thinking about <laughs> calling the Bombers because – the Star Spangled Banner was written in Baltimore uh, by Francis Scott Key. And so it's like bombs bursting in air and all those things. They were going to call us the Baltimore Bombers. And I'm like, boy, that would have been really bad on 9-11, <laughs> That name would have had five years of use. Yeah. Yes. We were the Baltimore Bullets that became the Washington Bullets that became the Wizards. So, like, we like things that explode and hurt. <laughs> I like, um, I, I love the, I wish the Wizards had kept the name the Bullets. I know why they changed them. I, I actually, I had, I had a buddy on who's a DC fan and he was like, yeah, you know, they have to change the name because of all the gun, all the shootings. And I was like, yeah, but that actually mm-hmm. seems like the perfect reason to call them the Bullets if that's what's happening. Like, it's, yeah, yeah I'd say, like, just be, be, just be what you're famous for. Like, that's right. the most honest name you causal. can get. People aren't shooting each other because of the basketball team is the worst <laughs> in the East. It's because they're mad, and it's like, well, hey, we have the perfect mascot. We're going to sell a lot of jerseys. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was... the Ravens had bad quarterbacks for so – like, we had a couple standout years. Like, we would get, like, one good year out of Randall Cunningham or, like, a couple good years out of Vinny Testaverde towards the end of his career. And then we had Steve McNair – uh, and he was yeah. really good for us. He actually played really well, but it really wasn't until like Flacco had a few good years and a great Super Bowl run, playoff run, and then Lamar. Like it wasn't until Lamar that we were like, we got it. We got what we were looking for. So, Would you? I mean, if you had to do the top three, I was trying to think of the top three Baltimore quarterbacks. It's obviously Lamar. I think then you go Flacco just because of the Super Bowl, and then is yeah. the third one Dilfer? Mm, it's probably statistically Testaverde or McNair. Well, Even though McNair was only there for, I don't know, a couple years, three years? I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, Dilfer only started eight games, but, like, he started the right ones. Yeah, good old <laughs> Dilf. Like, the, that defense would not lose. I'll, I'll take Dilf. Dilf won us the Super Bowl. He had a couple great passes. Brandon Stokely. Shannon Sharp, he had great, like, we would score one really incredible passing touchdown in the playoffs, and then the defense would just murder people and score a couple defensive touchdowns, and then we won the Super Bowl. We destroyed the Giants. Um, I re- the thing I, re- fun team. I remember the Shannon, I feel like I remember the Shannon Sharp touchdown, which was like, he ran like a two-yard out, and then Dilfer hit him, like, behind the line of scrimmage. Oh, yeah. And then he ran for, like, 85 yards and great block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, a team effort. But, yes, he did. He ran. It might have been against the Raiders or something, but he went 96 yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. And I sat next to Shannon Sharp once on an airplane, and uh, the flight attendant comes over, and she says, and and she didn't know who he was, and he's just incredible. Like, he's so big, and he's still so strong. Like, the guy is just physique. Uh, It's crazy. But he's also, like, played. He had three phones going because, you know, he's, like, a TV guy now and commentator. And she goes, gentlemen, I'm so sorry. We only have um, two meals left. Uh, I'm, we only have one of the chicken, grilled chicken. It's with couscous and blah, blah, blah. And then we have crudite or um, oh, charcuterie. We have a charcuterie board also. 
and Shannon just before I could even respond or nod goes, I'm having a grilled chicken. Give him two charcuteries. <laughs> like, Thanks, so they did. They gave me they gave him the last grilled chicken and they gave me two charcuterie boards. And I'm like, honestly, I'll take it. That's hilarious, man. Did you did you get a chance to tell him you were like a fan or did that not come up? Um, I didn't bring it up. I was flying back to Baltimore and the only cool thing that happened is on takeoff, he, um, had one of his phones on the armrest and when it took off, it slid and I caught it between my legs and my hand, like perfectly. He was like, I put his head back to rest or whatever phone slides off. I catch it and I just hand it to him and he said, nice catch. And I was like, thanks man. And then I just pretended to not know who he was. I'm not a big, like, uh, I talked to Bismarcky once on a plane to Atlanta and I was like, I'm just going to say something. I was like, Biz, you got a uh, concert night? And he goes, no, man, I got a party. And then just kept walking. And I was like, I should have just left this guy alone. I, it's not like I was ever going to go see Biz Marquis that, that night anyways. Look, man, I think you're playing down Shannon Sharp telling you nice catch. I mean, he's in the yeah. hall. That's a, that's not bad. The dude had Hall of Fame hands. That's a good compliment. So big. Like, it is really weird when you see tight ends because tight ends are so – they're tall, uh, but they're so muscular. And I guess compared to linemen who are, you know, kind of fat or whatever, or, or have the bellies because they need the mass, you just forget that tight ends are basically could have played any sport. They could have been yeah. baseball players. They could have been basketball players. Like the fact that Tony Gonzalez used to dunk all the time over the crossbar is like, yeah, because that guy can dunk anytime he wants on a basketball hoop too. Yeah, it's the most like – it's the most uh... – to put it in a, a not nice way, they're like the most like physical freaks of all the positions because you have to do everything. Like you have yeah. to block, you have to run, you have to catch. You need like the greatest, like whatever that uh, Venn diagram is of skills. They right. all converge the most at tight end. Yes, it's surprising that there isn't like a Kelsey or somebody that has a cannon. It, it's so surprising there isn't one that they like do a – like a reverse and hand it to him, and then they just step up and throw a seventy no. yard per. Like somebody's got to be able to. Do that. <laughs> no, that's like it's like on the Not like. Wrong. You remember where you could like create? I don't know if you've ever played Madden, but you could like create their a player and choose what their skill sets are. With every tight end, whenever they run that tight end reverse pass, they all have zero on the. <laughs> yeah, it's I like every, they're like these huge <laughs> physical specimens, and then they throw like my little sister, and I'm like. I don't know how I don't know how they're missing that one thing, but you're right. I've never seen one with a cannon. That's true. Just, yeah, and you would think they're as big as quarterbacks. Like, why didn't Flacco toss it to Todd Heap and then Todd Heap just gasses one down the sideline? Like, it seems like such, it seems like a Belichick move. It seems like Belichick would have two passing. Like, you know, you would have uh, Aaron Hernandez literally throwing a pass to Jeremy Shockey or something. You would just be like, here. Uh, but no, or to Gronk, to Gronk. It would be the old Hernandez to Gronk touchdown where Brady just fakes it really hard. But you never see that. What it you, seems like a missed opportunity to me. You know what it is? Is like there's a couple quarter. Like I think of Cam Newton when, you know, what is he, 6'5 or 6'6, 240. Yeah. And you're like, okay, when he was not injured, you see how dominant that is. Where the court, he's not just fast, but he can run you. He can run linebackers over. Oh yeah. And oh, I, yeah. what the real missed opportunity would have been if Tebow had switched to tight end. Although to be honest, he still throws right. like shit. So like, it still would have been a shitty throwing tight end. But like a little bit yeah. better than most. Even if Tebow was a tight end, people would be like, ah, that throwing motion's too long. He we can't run the reverse. Yeah. 
Jeez, they still Maybe wouldn't trust him. Beefed up and become a fullback. Tebow should have just eaten non like stew for two years and then just worked on all butts and thighs and been like the gnarliest fullback. But you know, hey man, baseball. he he. Well, he retired. Now he's done. Now he's going to go to uh, I don't know what he's going to do now. I want, I'm talking like I fucking know the guy. But he stopped. <laughs> he stopped the baseball fever dream idea that he had. My wife is Good. taking the dog out. Uh, I was interested, too, when you were saying, uh, when you were talking about your family being like, they took the Colts. They took the Colts. Yeah. And they were like, when we got the Ravens. And I was like, is he going to keep saying got the Ravens? <laughs> Because you no, guys stole, the Browns. stole yeah. the Browns for sure. What do you, yeah. I mean, do you, when the Ravens play the Browns and the yeah. Browns hate the Ravens, like I know Cleveland fans who are like, we like if there's any game we want to yes. win, if we, we'll go two and 14 and beat the Ravens twice and they're happy. What do right. you, what do you think as like, because you got that perspective of like your family resents Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. What do you think towards Browns fans? Well, we didn't take the team name, so we're not the Baltimore Browns. And so now that the Cleveland Browns exist, like Indianapolis should have just chased it. Also, or change their name. Also, they're famous for racing. So just make it, you're the Indianapolis whatever, engines or whatever. Yeah. So I think it's more that they took the team name and logo and didn't change anything. I think people just want like, even though, you know, people like Peyton Manning or whatever, like they wanted John Unitas to always be the guy with the white helmet and the blue horseshoe. So that's reason. We, that's Ravens, good, good argument. You know what I mean? So they don't when we change the name and then when they got the team back, it was great. But the Ravens and the AFC North, we hate the Steelers. The Steelers hate us. Uh, I don't ever think about the Bengals uh, and the Browns have only gotten good last year, really. So in the AFC North, I always look at the Browns as two wins and the Bengals as the team will beat in September, and then they'll spoil the playoffs for us <laughs> in the last game of the year with some crappy team. Um, yeah, with Anthony but, Wright as the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, God, I mean, I, I can't remember them all, but there was, like, Stony Case, Chris Redman, Kyle Baller was supposed to be a starter. I think we might have had Scott Mitchell there for a while. I don't know if we had John Kitna, but Kitna, I'm sure you've talked about him. He was like one of those guys that was always around. I love we Kitna. We had nonstop, like, oh, this guy's going to be great. And then they were so bad that that I think that's why the Ravens, who are a pretty winning franchise, it was just why we were so good at special teams and defense. Is because, like, we just had nobody back there. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like a, uh, oh, what do you, it's like addition by subtraction, right? You're like, if you're so terrible at one position, everybody else just feels like they got a man up. It's that was my argument for why um, I thought they should have kept Dilfer after. I know they like tried to me the to me the Ravens have that's the ultimate smartest guy in the room syndrome where you're like, look, I know we won the Super Bowl, but you know, looking long term, we got it. It's like, dude. There's a there's a part of it where like I I don't act like I played football I didn't, um, but I at least can understand athletes being like if you win the Super Bowl you get to run it back, and if you yeah. un- if you undercut that like you're better off sucking the next year with Trent Dilfer and getting rid of him than not giving him a chance to run it back. It just fucks with the locker room I think in a way that nerds don't yeah. understand and football players do. Yes, I think. That year, the year we won, I, I 
I think that we lost Anquan Bolden, right? Or was that the next time? Maybe that was the Flacco year. But we have a history of taking winner, great, like great players, and then cutting them the year after we win the. I guess that was the Flacco. But like for me, um, yeah, let Dilfer start, recruit somebody, have a veteran quarterback for the first five games, go three and two, and then he's going to get hurt or something, and or, or everybody's going to boom off the field, and then put the new guy in. Like yeah. I don't know why they didn't do that. Maybe they tried to. I don't know. Who knows? But I know that we have famously had terrible, terrible quarterbacks. Flacco was steady. Flacco had so much potential that everybody was like, this guy's going to be amazing. Great playoff run. Great Super Bowl run. Incredible. And then just was such a drag. Like, I, I'm probably one of the only sports fans that would, like, start doing errands or, like, brush my teeth or make coffee or whatever when the offense was on the field. <laughs> I would watch the Ravens game when the defense was on the field. And so – like Flacco would get it and then he'd like miss the pass on first down and it would, I'm like, okay, so it's second and 10. And then I would like start doing things, go get the mail and then come back when we were punting and watch us, you know, watch somebody score <laughs> interception or t- watch Ed Reed catch a, a interception for a touchdown. So yeah, weird team. It's it's it, yeah. The, uh, I liked, I liked Joe Flacco, but, I guess he kind of sucked. I mean, you. I, the truth is, is like, as I'm not watching every game, like I just watched him in the playoffs and was like, oh yeah, this dude's amazing. But yeah, he's yeah. and they, right. and they signed it. They I, they must have given him a huge contract, and that's why he lasted so long. Because if he was that bad, I mean, he was because he stayed on the team for like another like six or seven years. So they must have been tied to him in a way. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is and then Lamar came in and it, it's fun. Now watching the offense for the Ravens is sometimes the most fun team in the league. So it's been an adjustment. Yeah, I mean, hopefully a good one. Yeah, I mean, I hope he can because he won a playoff game this year, right? Yeah, I think he, he, yeah, he, he did. Won the first one this year. Also, the first year he didn't win because he like he just came in, won five games, and then lost. And then you're like, yeah, this guy's 21 years old. And then last year we were or two, whatever, two seasons ago when we were sort of the best team in football, that was crap. But um, what's his face for the Titans just ran rough shot over us for Derrick Henry or Henry, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Derrick Henry. You got it. It just, just carried 11 players down the field every single play. And it was like, Oh, we didn't prep for that at all. And I think Lamar will get one. He's still like 24 or 23 or something like that. He's I a, think so. he's a kid. I think so too. Um, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's like next world. Great. I like what you said about. I think it's very true about the resentment when you like don't give a city back their like history yeah. with their team because I, I always think that with the Texans who have like the shittiest uniforms in the league, like they're the it's the most boring <laughs> uniform. Yes. But yeah. then like they used to be the Oilers with the greatest uniform. Yes. Like I think the coolest the color. color yes, dude. Yeah. And, like, I was reading an article. I was like, why don't they just fucking wear those throwbacks? Like, just change back to that immediately. But it's the Texans owner. is It's a, some lady who's the daughter of some rich guy. And uh, she's like, yeah, uh, she literally is quoted going, those colors have nothing to do with the city of Houston. That's the that's the hit. Red, white, and blue. The most boring colors imaginable. <laughs> So stupid. Yeah. yeah, the Oilers, the Warren Moon era, that was my favorite team. Before we had the Ravens, I was an Oilers fan. Haywood Jeffries and Earl Campbell and all those guys. So 
I, uh, yeah, when they went to Tennessee, again, just change the name, change the name, change the logo. Yeah. Big deal. But imagine if the Yankees, I mean, hypothetical, imagine the Yankees went to Los Angeles. I mean, we kept the Dodgers, which everybody is like, I I have no idea why, but at least we uh, put an LA on the hat, not a B, (laughs) but I like, I don't understand why we're the LA Dodgers, but I mean, I understand historically, but call us something else. Call us the coconuts. I would love that. Yeah, but aren't coconuts not native to uh, L.A.? I thought I read that somewhere. I've never seen any here. Okay. I've never seen a coconut here. That's what I'm saying. Just name it. <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. I got you. <laughs> no, somebody told me that when we moved to L.A. They were like, you know, palm trees aren't native to L.A. They just plant them. I was like, oh, well, that's I like the that nut. Too. Before I moved here, that was the first thing I associated with, like, the L.A. scenery. I'm like, yeah. it's they, even that's not real? Shit. All right. I'm getting – I need to get used to the illusion. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. How – uh. When did you move out to L.A.? Eight years ago, um, probably around the same time you did. There was a big migration from New York, and we all came out, and um, I took to it right away. I liked it right away. Yeah. Well, no, you you got here way before me. I've only I've been here three years. I feel like the last year oh, doesn't really? count. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe we just grabbed beers or something when you would come out. That must have been it. I booked a couple things, and so yeah, you were one of my like because I mean I knew. Yeah, I like I'd say new five or six people I would have called friends that were out here when I was booking stuff Got in those it. five years I was still in New York. So yeah, that's probably what it was. But oh, gotcha. Yeah, I uh, I loved it. I right away I was like I was in New York for eight years. I started to get tired of New York in the way that like your senior year of college, you're kind of you're like college is fun, but you're sort of done with it. You want to see what else is going on. And I felt the same way about New York to LA. Like I love living in New York. I finally started writing in TV um and things were going fine but then i just kind of felt like ah, ah, but what if there's another gear what if i can hit something else and as soon as i got off the plane i was like yeah i'm so glad i'm here that's good man i uh yeah we my wife has started working on a couple shows out here i got a couple cool opportunities we honestly still miss new york awesome. a lot so we're like we're very much like as soon as we can make it so we can do both or all that shit, like that's kind of our mentality. But that said, we're buying a condo here, so we're probably in it for the long run. <laughs> As we're like, yeah. yeah, it's like it is what it is. Like this is where so much of the work is. Like there's no getting around that, you know. Who's your? What are your sports teams? Who are your number ones? All, all sports. So all Philly, oh. um, and that's not from. I did not come. I did not grow up there. My dad is from Philly, but we were military family, so moving around a bunch. So he right. just brainwashed me. Like, there's literally pictures of me in Germany when I'm four wearing a Randall Cunningham jersey. Like, nobody within 2,000. No, I mean, he did a good job of, like, really passing that down like a family heirloom to, like, hate hate slash love your teams. So, yeah, I'm a big Philly guy. And then moving around a bunch, there's kind of, like, secondary teams I picked up just because I'd, like, we were in Kansas City for a little bit, so I'd go to Royals games and watch them get smashed. So I just started rooting for them. That paid off. (laughs) That paid off. They won yeah, a World Series. Yeah, uh, I like the Saints a lot because we lived in Louisiana, and I used to go to. I went to a couple games with friends. I like the Charlotte Hornets because I used to go see them get crushed, and I like those teal <laughs> uniforms. So I have like, I have like, I guess the teams that I would have rooted for if my dad hadn't brainwashed me. I know what those teams are, but yeah, Philly teams just uh, always uh, take the cake. You mentioned Randall Cunningham as one of the Ravens guys. That was the one guy I was like, I remember him on the Ravens. Yeah, he, he was that, pretty good for us. He might have even made a Pro Bowl one of those years, but he was like 
the early Ravens were not great. Like they have the ring of champions or whatever in the new stadium and there's names up there. And I, they're great players, but they just didn't feel, maybe it's all new teams. Sometimes new teams just because they don't sort of have a brand or reputation. It's just like, I don't know. Like, I think we had Ernest Biner, who was very good. We had yeah. Mike Prairie, who was a really good defensive end, I think. Like, we had good players, but just it really wasn't until the Ray Lewis, John Ogden really shaped it. And it wasn't until the defense became so dominant around, like, 90, oh, God, 98 through 2000, whatever, that it was like, oh, so Baltimore's tough. They're going to hit you hard. You're going to get leveled. It's like they're kind of scary. You're going to, uh, if you're a poet, like you're going to die. Shoot you. <laughs> I was like, if you're a poet, you're going to die in the streets. It's a tough city. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. It's a working class town. No, yeah. You, th- you think of like, uh, yeah, it's Ray Lewis. Uh, who's the safety? Ed Reed. Like those, Ed like Reed. that's, that's kind of. Yeah, Rod Woodson. Oh, yeah. You, um, yeah, that's right. Rod Woodson was there. It. Yeah, we had like thumpers we had peter bulware we had just had guys that would hit and like then we had like weird guys that would get sort of later in their career like tony saragusa i was just gonna say uh, the the big huge yeah. fat guy on the line who sam adams um yeah we had some guys that oh we had haloti nada who was incredible like we, we just would get these monsters and the year we won the giant the year we beat the giants the brian billick one the deal for one our defense was like it was so fun to watch like somebody would score every catch interception and like lateral it like instantly to like chris McAllister, <laughs> and then he'd run 30 yards and then like hand it to somebody and then that guy like it was so crazy to watch like a defense operate like an offense i don't know if you remember i don't know if you watch hockey at all but uh yeah. the new jersey devils had like that triangle defense or i can't it wasn't a try i'm not the triangle defense that's the bulls offense the Devils had some sort of trap defense they figured out in hockey where they would just score the first goal and win one to nothing. And that was when Brodeur was their goalie. And, like, they won, like, a couple Stanley Cups. Just basically, like, they found, like, a cheat code. And, and they were like, okay, the Devils can't do that anymore. They're going to win every – like, it's not, like, fair competition. They, like, changed the rules of hockey for it. Right. I feel like the the Ravens' defense was dominant on that level where it's like I – mean, I mean, they didn't cheat – but they were just so good that it like it almost didn't the offense was like a distraction from what the defense could win just by scoring defensive touchdowns like that's yeah, and kicking field goals i that the year we won in 2001 we won a few games in the middle of the year like 12 to 3 like it was a <laughs> uh, we would just kick field goals and win the game we would never score touchdowns but you would be like how many how many we kicked they were like give 9 points i'm like oh we're going to win this shit and that's crazy but uh, yeah. that's how good they were. The Eagles had a defense like that in the 90s, too, when they had Reggie White, Jerome Brown. Uh, oh, yeah. They had a dominant defense, but they couldn't get over. I mean, it sucks because I lo- I, Randall Cunningham was my favorite player, but, like, he just yeah, never he never delivered in the playoffs. I think until later in his career, like, mostly with the Vikings is when he started to take off yeah. a little more. And Sure. Honestly, like, they, like, taught him how to throw like at the Eagles it was just like he would run for 1200 yards and then get injured yes and then it's like Rodney Pete getting dominated in the playoffs that was our (laughs) that was our mo for a while but yeah like uh yeah the Eagles I remember when as a kid growing up like that was kind of like the Philly mentality too which was yeah just like don't fuck it up for the defense 
Like yeah. that's yeah. Well, you guys always did Veteran Stadium or whatever, wasn't it? Like just astroturf over concrete, or it is. is that just? I just remember people got hurt because they'd like. <laughs> It was like the worst asterisk imaginable. Dude, it was horrible. I remember my dad took me to an Army Navy game one time, and like the the railing collapsed, Great. And, and like people died, like people got paralyzed and shit. Like it's like literally like falling onto the road, and yes. every and like I remember there were like uh, when you look at the old like if you watch old nineties highlights of the Eagles, there's like creases in the field where it looks That's like what I mean, yeah. Like if you were riding a motorcycle over it, you would flip over the handlebars and die. <laughs> like it wouldn't yeah. be road approved <laughs> potholes in Veterans Stadium. Oh man, that's crazy. That yeah, place that was, was such a nightmare, man. It was amazing. Yeah. That's that's where I mean what we used to do, like again, we're traveling or you know, moving around a lot when I was a kid, but we'd always go back to see my grandparents and so I'd go to maybe three games in Veterans Stadium every year, mixed between sure. Eagles and Phillies. And there's, I told this story on the podcast one time, but I'll, I'll never forget it. I was seven years old, or maybe I was eight, because it was the year the Phillies went to the World Series, which was 93. So yeah, I was eight. And I'm talking to this woman, and in my head she's an old woman, but she's probably like fucking 22. And right, she's asking exactly. me like what I'm learning in school and stuff. And <laughs> there was this guy who was, the Phillies were playing the Mets, and this, right. there was a guy that had his shirt off with Mets painted on his chest. He was running around the mezzanine of the 700 level. And as she's talking to me, I see him coming around. She goes, hang on for a second, honey. And as he comes into, like, view, she throws the beer in his fucking face and goes, fuck you, and puts her fingers in his face. And the guy's just, like, his, like, face pain is running. And then she just turns back to me, and she's like, so what's, so what, how's uh, how's math going again? I'm like, what the, like, the, 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 the vitriol in that stadium was so crazy yes i mean yeah it's like it's i, I don't know I, I wouldn't have it any other way i feel like it was like the most fun team to support but when people shit on philly fans i'm like yeah they they're usually not lying like everything people yeah, say no. about us we earned you know i like the eagles i actually like the eagles and i like the 76ers i don't really care about the flyers and i don't really like the phillies like i the phillies are just a team that i'm like eh. and um like you guys had some good years in there but I took to like I'm a Dodgers fan now. I'm a Ravens fan. I'm not a Rams fan or a Chargers fan. Like football, love the Ravens, the only pro team I watch. But like I now like ever since I moved out here, I actually live walking distance to Dodger Stadium in Echo Park. And so I just walk to games whenever I go on StubHub, I'll put a drink in a solo cup and I'll walk over there, throw it out when I walk in and it's and then we've been great ever since I moved out. Yeah, yeah. They made the playoffs every year since I've been here. So you guys got a Dodgers fans are pretty fucking intense too. I mean, it's like an underrated yeah, intense man. fan base. As re- it's specifically against the Giants, though. Like, yeah. I wouldn't take my parents to a Dodgers Giants game. <sighs> Not like anything would happen to us, but like because I'm wearing Dodgers gear. But they hate the Giants in a way that is way before I got here and there's other things going on that I don't understand. But uh, most of the time it's actually pretty chill because the weather's so nice and the view from the stadium is so pretty. And then when Magic Johnson's group bought it and they dropped the prices of everything, it just made it like, I don't know. I think it's a great experience. Yeah. I love Dodger Stadium. I felt the same way. Uh, If I had stayed in New York, I think another two years, I feel like the Nets would have gotten me because every time we'd go to Nets games, it was seven bucks. 
Like, yes. you know, for thirty dollars you get to like play in the fourth quarter, like <laughs> you just shoot a couple threes. Yeah. Like I mean it was like it was like a very <laughs> Fan friendly experience, like yeah. especially like I mean, it's cool that the Dodgers are like that. You'd think it's such a big money organization, like that it would be all kind of like I don't know what what to say, like behind the uh, you know red carpet kind of feel to it. Yeah. But you're right; it feels like a like a very people fan friendly team, even though they're they're probably I think they might be the biggest, the most expensive roster in baseball besides the Yankees. And they were number one in attendance the last five years, which is a lot of people think like L.A. sports fans are flakes. And it's probably because the weather's nice and we've been winning. We've had winning teams and stars, but we it's it's full. And like as a Orioles fan, I still like the Orioles a lot. But like I was joking with my parents because they were like the Orioles Camden Yard is opening and but it's COVID friendly. It's only 25 percent capacity max. And I was like, they haven't had 25 since since fucking cal retired yeah exactly are you kidding me like they they would be like we have 25 percent full tonight oh my my gosh the poor draft somebody the poor orioles man i mean they're they they did they were absolutely right to tank on purpose to try to make sure the nationals didn't go to dc because that yeah I, i don't know how they've survived it i mean maybe they're not going to because there's, I just feel like there's just not enough fans. There's just not enough fans yeah. for that franchise. Like unless they're gonna take seats away from the stadium and like make it. It's a beautiful stadium, by the way. I'd say Camden Yards yeah. is one of my favorite places yeah. I've ever been yeah. to watch a game. It's great, great food. They did a thing once in Sports Illustrated where they asked rival players to vote worst and best, most aggressive, whatever places to play. And of course, it's like Fenway and Yankee Stadium were like the worst places, probably Phillies, were like worst places to play. And then Camden Yards got zero votes that year. Zero votes. I think people just liked playing there. We weren't very good. <laughs> um, but like the last time I went, and you can like buy food right up. There's like a little strip of bars. It's a place called like Sliders and Pickles Pub. And you can buy dollar hot dogs. You can buy dollar bags of roasted peanuts. And they just let you take it in. Like they're just like, yeah. So you just buy three hot dogs outside and walk on in. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, it's a three dog night, <laughs> just like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a Dodgers fan, not a Rams fan. I hate the Coliseum. I know they built that new one that looks pretty amazing, honestly. But in Chargers, I hate the Chargers. Like I could give a shit about the Chargers. <laughs> I I would have liked the Chargers if they stayed in San Diego. Like I like yeah. the I like that old Junior Seau. Like the 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 bolt, just the bolt. Although I gotta say, I like the Chargers uniforms now too. I feel like they have a cool vintage feel. But I just feel bad. I'm like, there's like I don't blame L.A. for not being like really behind the Rams because they haven't been here for a long time and it takes a while to build up the base. But then why would the Chargers come on the tail end of that? Like, there's literally no. I don't know. I don't know a single Chargers fan in L.A. Me neither. I know two people, and then they go, and they were playing at like StubHub Center or something. I don't know if you've ever been there, but the only times the soccer stadium. Yeah, it's a soccer stadium. Yeah. And it wasn't full. And I think it only seats, I don't know, I'm just going to, I think it seats 19,000. But it, that might be high. And it wasn't full. And for a football stadium, you're like, okay. And uh, But, like, now that new campus looks pretty incredible. Oh, the one, uh, the, you mean the Rams the... will be good. I think the Rams will be good next season. But who knows about the Chargers. I've, I've totally lost track. 
the Chargers got a good quarterback, so I think that'll um, I think that'll help them. But that, that's what you need. Like you just need like a franchise player that everybody falls in love with. But yeah, I don't know. I always for me, I'm like with any sports thing. I'm like just go back to the '90s. It was like the colors were better. <laughs> like. Yep. Like I, I'm sure everybody feels that way. This is, you just go back to when you were a kid, and you're like, "That's when it was the best." But it's yeah, actually, in, I know what you mean. Yeah, that, that said, for football, that's clearly not true because everybody's dead uh, from CT. Right. So it's right. actually was yeah. it is much better now as far as that stuff goes. But yeah, yes. as far as just like yeah, like the vibe of the game and going, like I, that's the stuff I miss. Like that's what that's, like my show is nothing but me pretending to know stuff about sports. And really, it's like how long until I talk about old Oilers uniforms, the creamsicle <laughs> bucks? Yeah, love that. Yeah, love that. I like the old Patriots helmets more than the new ones, dude. Uh, the the red and white with the guy yeah, playing the guy polo in a three point stance. Yeah, yeah. Hell amazing. yeah, dude. Hell yeah, and they uh, should, I should way prefer that. All of it. Oh, I yeah. I don't think there's a single jersey that's improved. I can't think of one that I like now more than I liked what they had before. Yeah, I'll, I'll think of that as we keep going. That's an interesting thing. I mean, the fans for the Ravens, I don't really love going to Ravens games. It's fine. But, but like, we are the trashiest. Like, I have you ever seen purple snow camo? Because if you want to go, if you want to make a quick 50 grand, just buy a van, load it with XXL snow camo that's purple, and you will sell out every game. They wear Mardi Gras beads. <laughs> Purple snow camo and Ray Lewis jerseys, and um, they're fine. It, but I would much rather. I like that games come on in LA at 10 a.m. It's nice. I like that I can get up and I watch the Ravens win or lose, and then I'm done by one o'clock and I can have a day. But um, I, yeah. I I've adjusted well to 10 a.m. football out here. I thought it would be an issue, and yes. it's it's amazing. Oh. You wake up, you're eating breakfast, watching football. I, I fucking love it. Yes. I, yeah, you can like you can either do coffees or you can do Bloody Marys, and yes. you can just be like, you know, I'll do an Old Bay Bloody Mary in honor of Baltimore. But uh, I, uh, I love it. I'll tell you this quick story, and then I'm, I'm mindful of time because I told you now I don't want to keep you uh, keep you too long. Sure. But uh, I almost got killed uh, going to a Ravens game. Of course uh, you did. So I was uh, this was like I was like in my twenties, and uh, you know I used to get really worked up at games. Like I would. I'm not like I never got in a fight, but I was always close. And okay. so, uh, Ravens were playing the Eagles. It was the game they benched McNabb. Actually, the Ravens kicked the shit out of the Eagles. So I remember Kevin Cobb uh-huh. came in, who's a probably a future quarterback on this podcast at some point. Yes. And uh, so there, I was sitting next to somebody, some old guy and his kid, and there were people behind us. And so I was kind of, you know, I was the only Eagles fan in my section, so I'm kind of going at everybody. Just begging to get my ass kicked. Like, top of the stadium, like, really trying to die. And, uh, (laughs) and this, I I can't remember what I was, oh, it was Ray Lewis. I was like, I think I was saying something about, like, Ray Lewis's killed a guy or something. And the old guy next to me goes, he just turns, he was like, you know, I did time. I did time in jail. You never rat. All right. I respect him for not ratting. And I was just like, all right, I've gone too far. And then, Something else happened, and I cheered for an Eagles. Not even, like, anger. At that point, I was nervous. And I cheered for, like, a first down, and he goes, he turned to me and goes, you're about to get your ass kicked by an old man. And then then (laughs) I got real quiet. Security came, and they, like, made him leave with his kid. 
And then right after he left, I turned to the people behind me who were booing me for getting him kicked out, and I started going at them, and then that was it. Could have been. I only saw one fight once, and it was at Memorial Stadium before we had the new M&T Bank. And we lost to the Jaguars, and it was Mark Brunel years, and Brunel, sure. it was a comeback. And oh god, I I see, that might have been a Chris Redman. Like I don't remember who was the quarterback at that game, but the fight in front of me, there were a group of guys wearing satin jackets, and they mm-hmm. on the back it read the Baltimore Bass Assassins, and I was like the Bass Assassins, oh, like no. some fishing club, and we were in the kind of cheap seats, and they got into it with Jaguars fans. And the only other detail I remember about that weird game was um, they used to play bare naked ladies broke into the new apartment. This is where we used to live in Memorial Stadium because that's the old Orioles Stadium. And people would like cheer for him to be like nothing about the bare naked ladies would ever get me ever pumped up for any sport. I wouldn't get pumped up to do a pottery class to the bare naked ladies, but it would be like broke into the old apartment. People were like, yes, just camo confetti cannons shooting in the air. I used used to watch pro wrestling and I remember I love the undertaker. And then he had like a he, he did like a character switch where he became like American badass, and his his intro music was Kid Rock, and I, they always call it like the pop in wrestling, right? When they come out, or but like how loud can you yeah. get people to pop? And sure. I used to love that when I was like twelve, and now I look back and I'm like, oh my god, I was getting so stoked at the beginning <laughs> of a Kid Rock song. That's so humiliating, but like at the time. You're just like it. Just whatever. It's it's what's, yeah. what's in the ether, man. It, if it works, it works. Yeah, we're animals. We're it's like when they play <laughs> Seven Nation Army at Dodgers games, and then Jack White's there, which has happened three times, and then they cut to him, and he's always in like the sick ass seats, and he's always wearing a Dodgers jersey. But like, it's just like boom, 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 and then they cut to him, and he just like is like puts his like a small wave, small smile, but it's just he doesn't. He's pumped. But he doesn't like – it's Jack White. It's not like he's going to jump up. It's not Jack Black. Jack Black would be like <laughs> banging and rolling onto the field and doing backflips. Jack White's just nervously like, yes, I wrote this song. It's a huge hit at all sporting events around the world, and I hope I see residuals from it. Thank you so much. Enjoy enjoy your game, everybody. Thanks for being a fan enjoy of mine. Enjoy the game. I'll be gone in the fourth inning. I got here. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely man look dude thank you so much for doing the show uh scott it was, it was a pleasure having you and uh yeah man thanks for uh thanks for hanging out you got it and it's so funny we didn't even really talk about anthony Wright because i only oh, yeah. know, i know so little about that guy right i was like uh i think we made the playoffs with him once so i'm glad and i think he got shot which is class he got shot he got shot in like 2019 the thing he did is like he was he was undrafted and kyle bowler was a first round pick and so i think he came to the ravens right as they were drafting kyle bowler so it's that whole sunken cost fallacy of like yeah you know we spent a first round pick on this guy we got to give him at least a season and a half but every time anthony wright would come in for kyle bowler they would do better so it's yeah, like exciting. Yeah, he's exciting. You can move in the pocket. He had a feel for it. He also went to uh he was the South quarterback at South Carolina where my dad we lived there when I was a kid. And so I think the timing would have matched up to where like I was in South Carolina right. when he was there. So like I think I kind of knew him from that. But yeah, I always yeah. I always the thing I remembered about him 
Yeah, we literally talked about as I'm like saying, all right, thanks for coming on. Oh yeah, by the way, no, the quarterback. I, uh, no, I brought it up. Absolutely. No, no, but you're yeah that that was I, I had a little connection to him just because of that. But uh, yeah, I mean whatever, yeah. he's fine. I do what I, I do. Know he got us to the playoffs, and then he got <laughs> shot. Those are the only two details I remember about that guy. I'm sure he's a really nice man. I hope so. It didn't. Well, it didn't happen in succession. He didn't like. They didn't clinch a playoff, <laughs> and then he like walked off the field like and got him. shot. And yeah, that was like 20 years later. But sure, he two big accomplishments. Survived hey. a shooting, got you to the playoffs once. That's right. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. I will uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this free episode. To help me keep more episodes coming, here's how you can support the show. Go to erichelwig.com where you can follow my social media, join my newsletter, and check out my merch store. Wherever you're listening, make sure to subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show five stars. Lastly, my Patreon page is coming in 2021. If you're interested, email erichelwigcomedy at gmail.com to join the waitlist. Future members at the $5 a month level will get weekly episodes, tickets to my stand-up, merch giveaways, bonus content from my other comedy projects, and more. Again, just email erichelwigcomedy at gmail.com and join the waitlist.